0: Episode number 8. Welcome to the Higher Life Podcast. Lessons from Authentic Judaism. Get the inspiration you need for personal growth. Hosted by Rabbi Mitterhoff. Shalom, this is Rabbi Eliyahu Mitterhoff. I'm happy to be here in this week's Higher Life Podcast. In this week's podcast, we're going to be starting out with a powerful parable For spiritual growth, talking about spinning your wheels. Next, we're going to move on to great story of great rabbis. We're going to talk about the Chavot Chaim and how he lost 10 minutes. Then we're going to talk about this week's Torah portion, Vayikra. And I call that not Mission Impossible. The last thing we're going to speak about is peace in your home. The first commandment of marriage, according to Rabbi Vigdemir. Be Realistic. In this week's parable, we're going to speak about how some people could spend their entire lives just thinking about the physical and not thinking about the spiritual side of things. For example, we have a guy who invests a ton of money to start a new business. He takes, he, he builds a new building, he has to get an architect, and he has to take all of his money for that, and then he has to build the building, and then at that cost a fortune, and then he gets all the people in the building, all the furniture in the building, he's building this huge factory, and he's going to get the thing happening, finally he hires all the people, gets all the material, buys the material, schleps it from overseas, brings it, investing, investing, putting tons of money and energy, and hours and hours and hours into this merchandise that he's going to produce. Then he produces the merchandise and he decides, you know what? I'm going to sell this at cost. Exactly what it costs me, I'm going to sell it. Wouldn't that be a great idea? Fool. The guy is a fool. The whole point is to wind up with more money than you started with. Not the same thing. So too with this world. God built this whole world in order that we should go forward. We should gain something from the world. He didn't just do it. That we should just spin our wheels and keep the world going the way it is. We have to go forward. You have to grow in spirituality. It says the whole world was created for the Torah. If not for the Torah, heaven and earth were not endured. It's a verse from Yermio that's like this. If not for my covenant of Torah... Day and night, I will not set the ordinance of heaven and earth. The whole purpose of this world is that we should grow spiritually. So if we're not, we're just like the guy who opened a factory and sold things at cost. It's time for Great Stories About Great Rabbis. So here is a really great story about the Chavetz Chaim. It says on Yom Kippur, after the prayer services were finished, he sat alone in the Bay of Smidosh, contemplating, thinking about the past year. And he made an accounting for every minute, every week, every day. He started to go through the entire year thinking about how he could have done better and what he could have done better. And he realized there was 10 minutes where he didn't do any good deed. He didn't do anything good. He was just wasting his time. So he started to cry, Yisra Mer, Yisr that was his name. And he said to himself, why did you go and waste those 10 minutes of the day? God gives kindness to man. He gives him a year of life. He gives him health, food, Children, he gives them everything, but there's an accounting in in heaven. Not everything is just for free. You get things for a reason, and everything that we have is in order to serve God. So he started to cry and say to himself, "Why did you waste those ten minutes? Why did you waste those ten minutes?" So this is hard for us to understand a little bit. We can go by weeks, months, years go by. Nobody's even thinking what's going on. Nobody's doing any kind of hashpah accounting of what's happening. There are a, a select people. Maybe we say, "Oh, a couple, I had a couple of bad months. I better get myself back into gear." Uh, but who would possibly think of ten minutes, ten minutes that he wasted, not doing the right thing, not doing something good, not being productive with those ten minutes? It's only the Chavetz Chaim who has a level like that. So this week's parsha is Vaikra. Hashem called to Moshe. I'm also going to bring a Chavetz Chaim, and this Chavetz Chaim is so simple and so sweet, easy to understand. And he brings the words of the Rabbis to say like this. There's a, there's a pasach from Michet, so like this: My nation, what did I do to you? And how have I wearied you? Answer me. So he says there in that Midrash, it says like this. There's 10 species of kosher animals. And this week's parsha we start to talk about bringing korbanos, bringing sacrifices in the temple. And out of the kosher animals, out of the 10 types of kosher animals, only three of them are used in the temple. Which three of those? The cow, the lamb, and the goat. Those are the only three animals that are used in the temple. And the seven other ones, like the deer, the gazelle, different types of wild antelopes that are kosher, mountain sheep. So those are not used in the temple. So what's the difference? They're all kosher. Why don't we bring sacrifices of all the kosher animals? If you think sacrifices are strange, let me just give you a little introduction what sacrifices are about. When a person sees the sacrifice get sacrificed, he thinks of himself being sacrificed. It's a very, very strong symbolism to realize you better get your act together. You did sins, and now you got to fix them up. And you see that animal get sacrificed, you realize it was supposed to be you. So you do tshuva, you return to God because of that. But this is a side point. That was just to explain what sacrifices are about. Also, I mean, the fact is that God told us to do sacrifices. doesn't have to have a reason. But that would be the reasoning behind it. So back to our question. Why is it only the three of the animals are brought as sacrifices. The answer is because they're domestic animals. A deer, he runs away. As soon as you let him go, he runs away. A sheep, a cow, and a lamb, they hang around. They're domestic, so they're easy to get. So the rabbi said like this, to obtain offerings, do I trouble you to go searching in the mountains and the valleys for the animals that are not in your possession? Not at all. I told you to bring me only offerings from domesticated animals, which you raise yourself. The Piskit the kahana. So you see, God is not demanding things outside of our reach. It's not mission impossible here to serve God. God makes it easy for us to serve him. He makes it that we don't have to run around catching these animals out in the wild. They're right there in our own domain. And the Chavetz Chaim brings another proof of the same kind of idea. And he brings a chazel that says, Who praised me before I gave him a living soul? Who circumcised his sons before I gave him one? Who fulfilled the mitzvah of cities before I gave him a garment? Who tied tied tith before I gave him grain? So the yetziyakut shmoni. So all these things that God is setting us up to do the mitzvahs. He's making it easier for us to do the mitzvahs. What does the Chavicham want to learn from this? So a person shouldn't praise himself and think he did a great sacrifice because he served God. Okay, you served God. But God made it easy. God set you up to serve God. The whole world was created for us to serve God. God is setting you up to do the mitzvahs. And even though we give voluntarily, we give from ourselves, but God set us up beforehand in order to serve him. I want to now bring the Shem who also speaks in this week's Parsha of Aikra, with a similar kind of an idea. He brings a Chazal like this. He says, the rabbis said that God showed every variety of atonement to Avram Avinu, every type of sacrifice he showed to Avram except for one, except a tenth of an eifah, measure of fine flour. That was the rabbis. Shimon He said he even showed him that one. What is the point of Midrash says? That God even extends, or he overlooks us, for an extra atonement of his own. This is the tenth of an ephah of fine flour. We're talking about a tenth of an apha of fine flour. A very small sacrifice, just bringing the flour as a sacrifice, which is very inexpensive and very easy to do. And God didn't want to show this sacrifice to Avram of Vino because he didn't want to show Avraham how far his mercy went, that even unworthy people could come back and return in repentance to God. What does he say here at the end? I'll translate this. There's always hope. However far a Jew is from Creator, however few his merits, however devoid he may be of Torah of good deeds, there is hope. God will never forsake any individual. A Jew can always come back to the service of God. It's not Lobit Shemayim. He says it's not in heaven. It's not mission impossible. God set us up that we can be successful. It's just a question of a switch in the head. So what is this switch in the head exactly? that a person all of a sudden realized that he should serve God. So he says like this, I'm going to bring down the Svas Emes, on this week's Parsha Vayikra also, who says, he brings a Pasuk from Tehillim and says, Blessed Hashem, all his angels, the strong, warriors who do his bidding, to obey the voice of his word. They listen to what God says. We're talking about Malachim, and the Chazal tells us that there's Malachim in the heaven, and there's also Malachim on the earth. There's angels in heaven, but there's also angels on earth. Anyone who listens to what God says and does what God says, he's considered like an angel. And who had this quality better than anybody, better than any other human being ever? That was Moshe Rabbeinu. And it's this week's parasha, Vayikra. Hashem called to Moshe Rabbeinu, and Moshe was there ready to listen. He says that Moshe is the ultimate role. He's always ready there to do God's will. Hashem called Moshe. Why did he call Moshe? Because he knew he's there. Just call him, he's there. He's ready to go. That's how we have to be. We have to be ready to serve God. We have to be uh, looking and searching for the truth. A person who's not searching for the truth is really in a dream world. The world's just going by. It's 120 years. Is he not thinking, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to do it? What was I put here for? How did I get here? I give the example to my kids. I tell them, like, if you went to sleep in your bed in, uh, in Jerusalem and you walk up in a tent in India, wouldn't you ask, how did I get here? We wake up, sunny you're in a tent. But the truth is, that's all of us. We go to sleep at night. And we wake up in this world. Well, how did we get here? We look at your hand. Look at look what's going on. What's going on? Why are we here? How did we get here? You have to think abstractly. You have to step out of yourself and really think, what are we doing here? We're obviously here for a purpose. A a person has to search inside of himself to figure out what that purpose is. And we know as Jews that we received, at Har Sinai, we received the Torah, and we know what the will of God is. God told us what to do. It's just a question of doing the mitzvahs. And anyone who does the mitzvahs and starts to do the mitzvahs and investigates the mitzvahs and learns about the mitzvahs, he starts to grow spiritually, and the proof of the pudding is the pudding. So my Rabbi always used to say. As uh, you start to do these things, you start to feel the influx of spirituality coming into your life and the blessings. And a person wants to do God's will more and more. Obviously, we have all kinds of uh, forces animalistic forces pulling us in different directions. But the point of this word is lo it's not impossible. It's not in heaven, it's right here on earth. God set us up for us to serve him. And the personality type that wants to serve God is someone who wants to listen, I Have to start to listen. Vaikra, God called, and we listened. So the Svas is said, not only that, there's side benefits to being a servant of God. He says like this, Moshe Rabbeinu could have been very unhappy with his life. He had one of his children didn't go in the way, of, in God's way and he knew that B'nai Yisrael was not going to listen to him and he didn't get to enter into the land of Israel even though he wanted to. He could have been very disappointed. But we see in the there was no simon, no sign at all of his disappointment. Moshe didn't come across as a victim or some tragic hero and the reason why is because he had no ego of his own. This is what Svas Emes. He said he viewing himself totally as an agent to carry out God's will. In other words, a person who drops his personal desires and realizes that there's a bigger picture, there's something bigger happening here, he starts to gain the benefits of not having those personal desires. He starts to become happy. I'm to talk about this in the last piece here. I'm going to bring the um, Ways of the Tzaddikim, Morkat Tzaddikim, and he has a chapter here called the Shaharatson, which in English would translate the gate of willingness, the quality of willingness, a person who's just out there to do what he's supposed to do. He's willing, he's willing to give up things, his own ideas, his own desires, for the sake of others and for the sake of God. So he says like this, this kind of personality has this trait of willingness. He's satisfied with all that befalls him. He doesn't question God's judgment. What I question, God does his job, God does his job. I do my job, but God does his job. Where Where do the two meet? They have nothing to do with each other. I just have to do what I'm supposed to do. He doesn't start asking, why God did this to me? and Why didn't he do that? He starts to, he's Semaic Bechelko. He realizes that everything is a blessing. He's blessed to be here. And he's what's called Semaic Bechelko. He's happy with his portion. Me, I shear the Perthiavot says, who is a rich person? The person who is happy with what he has. That's what makes rich. Rich is in the mind. You could have, a, I know a lot of rich, uh, physically rich, miserable people. I know tons of them. But rich, real rich means, according to Chazal, according to Rabbis, it means in your mind, you're happy with what you have. And this type of personality, people find him, them very pleasant. People are happier to be around somebody who's willing to give up all the time his own will. He's not pushy. He's laid back. He's willing to help. He's got nowhere else to go. He's just doing whatever God tells him to do. So he says that when Hashem desires man's ways, his foes too make peace with him. Even enemies, even people who want to be mad at him, they can't be angry with him. He's such a nice guy. This is the quality of the person that's an Ebed Hashem, that is a person who serves God. Because in order to serve God, you have to listen. And in order to listen, you have to give up your own desires. You have to be willing to look at the bigger picture and do what God wants. And the Orch Sadikim says the entire Torah itself is subsumed in the trait of willingness. The whole Torah, in a nutshell, comes down to the individual doing something beyond himself, willing to listen to the bigger picture, to listen to what God has planned for him. And the verse in Mishli says, He who listens to me will dwell securely in tranquility from fear of evil. This person knows that God's going to protect him. He's close with God. He feels close to God. He feels God's protecting him. I just want to end up this word with the last piece here. He brings in the last paragraph. Listen to this. He's talking about nothing better than listening. There's nothing better in the world than listening. This is the quality we're talking about. Listening has to, be, has to do with giving yourself over to God or the other person. If a man falls from a roof and breaks his limbs... He needs a compress, bandages for each of his limbs, each one, each limb. He needs a separate bandage. But the sinner who sins with all of his limbs, the guy does all kinds of sins with every part of his body, from his soul to his foot, to the head, there's no sound spot. That's the passage from Yeshua. He says, God heals him with one simple compress, and that's listening, the ear. Incline your ears and go to me. Listen and your souls will live. We just learn to listen will be healed. And the point is, it's not mission impossible. Serving God is not hard. It's right there. It's just a question if you want to or not. Learn to give, love, and communicate. This is Peace in Your Home. I'm going to start out with the first commandment of marriage. This is a Victor Miller. This is the famous thing. He has a Ten Commandments of Marriage. And his first commandment of marriage is to be realistic now, being realistic doesn't mean being depressed. It means being realistic. Life has its ups and downs. And marriage is also going to have its ups and downs. And he explains that God made the world with a lot of variety. He's keeps changing things. The dials keep changing. Every day is a new thing. Another thing comes. This thing comes. He keeps changing it. And he wants to say that every single one of those things is a test. He's just sending one test after the next. In the end, we'll see that every moment it was a test. There's a test of relaxing, a test of success, a test of failure. All this, how we react and what we're happening and how we deal with these things. A guy could be successful, becomes arrogant. A guy could be down, and becomes depressed. Where are you? You have to be successful and not be arrogant. You have to have bad things happen to you and smile and laugh at them. So everything that's happening is a test. So he says marriage is also a test. So you have to realize that you're marrying a human being. You're not marrying an angel. You're marrying a human being. And every, even though a human being has elements of greatness inside of him, but he also has ordinary characteristics. We all have it, and that's who we're marrying. So we have to be realistic. He says, when you marry, romance flies out the window. You settle down, and then you begin seeing things that you didn't expect. So expect them, and now you're going to see them. It's not a depressing word. This is, This is reality. This is what it is. And he gives examples here, unbelievable examples. He has here... There was once a man who married a simple woman, a plain woman. She wasn't too smart, but she was a functioning woman, loyal and capable of running a household. So he got upset. He, he thought that she was going to be smarter, and he's upset. He's expecting this and expecting that. And he and divorced her. He ruined her life with unrealistic expectations. You have the opposite. One time, this woman marries a Tamachachem. He's supposed to be a very clever guy. She realizes that she could do the grocery bill faster than he can. He's a bit of a blunderer, and he's not so intelligent. But he was a good husband, and he took care of her, so she should have been happy. Also, you have a typical guy. He doesn't, he's waiting for the perfect girl, right? He's gone out with 100 different girls. He's waiting for the perfect girl. In the end, he marries a fat girl, a little too late to have children, and all those years went by, all because he just wasn't being realistic. He thought he was going to get the perfect girl. Or you have a case where a guy's not trained to live with somebody else. You have people like that. He wanted his wife to be more obedient demanding husband do this and do that In the end he says that's it i'm getting ready we divorced actually she felt she this these are true stories she fell ill with cancer and died who's guilty he's guilty he dumped her for no reason but the point is in marriage you have to be realistic nobody's perfect and nobody's why do you expect to get somebody so much better than you do you really think you're going to get an angel when you're a human being we're all human beings We have to be realistic, we have to be happy with what we have, and we have to realize the person we married is the person for us and to continue with that marriage and to have peace in your home. Okay, that's the end of this week's podcast. Please share it with your friends, and please, please, please leave me comments. I need to know what's going on. I need to know if you guys are enjoying it, what I should change, what I should fix. Please let me know. Thank you for listening. Your voicemail could be featured on the Higher Life Podcast. Just visit rabbimitterhof.com to ask questions or leave comments.